welcome to the Gap Year podcast. My name is Michelle Dittmer. I am your Gap Year expert and the host of this podcast. And today we have with us the wonderful Madeline Steed. Uh, she brings such a wealth of experience as a Gap Year alum, uh, as well as somebody who works to support young people on their educational journey in her current career. But I don't want to ruin it all. So I am going to, first of all, welcome you, Madeline, to the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much, Michelle. This is a delight. I'm so honored to be uh, part of the podcast series. Amazing. Um, so I gave very, very high level what you're all about, but maybe you can share a little bit more uh, about who you are and uh, what you're up to these days. Absolutely. Um, well, I have had the pleasure of working in higher education for many years, both, and that really started, I'm not going to, like you said, don't give all the secrets away from the beginning, um, but my gap year is what set me on that course. So currently I work in academic support and I really distill that down to supporting students as they arrive, strive and thrive in their post-secondary careers. Um, and. I have the, the pleasure of working with students across the spectrum, students who uh, continue to see outcomes that put them on a different course where they need to hit pause. So the university invites them to take a pause on their academic journey or, or they choose to step away. Um, and so my, my career has led me to finding out more about ways to get students excited about that academic journey and making it their own and, and stepping off that conveyor belt. So it can be really, you can feel a lot of pressure that you're, you're not doing things in sequence with your peers. But one of the jokes I always make with students is, you know, someone's going to buy a house before you, someone's going to start a family before you, someone's going to break more bones than you or dye their hair more frequently. There's no set schedule of when things need to be done. Um, and so I'm, I'm so honored to serve students and, and their families in that way and bring about conversations. And the biggest thing is um, building a community of curious learners and helping them remember that happens at any and every stage of their development. I love it. And I think that being curious and being a learner is um, sometimes confused with being a student. Um, and sometimes they are the same thing and sometimes they're they're different. You don't have to be uh, a formal learner in an institution to be curious and to be exploring and learning and um, adding knowledge and skills and experience to your toolkit. And, and that's where the gap year comes in so fluidly sometimes, um, whether it's prior to going into post-secondary or midway through or after you graduate is building out that toolkit and building out all of those experiences that can just help you to, to know more about yourself, know more about the world, um, and, and know what direction you want to be heading in, which I think is just obviously super cool. Um, so, so you mentioned that you did take a gap year. So when was that and how did that come about? Was that always your plan? I don't even think I had the vocabulary to say I was taking a gap year. I have these little threads of memories of sitting in my guidance counselor's office in high school on these like brown couches with, surrounded by pamphlets of things that I could do. And most of them were colleges and universities. And I remember this flyer about Katimovic. 
And I don't have the memory of submitting an application, but I, I remembered applying to so many programs. I applied to a photography program, I think a social work program. I, I had sort of this naive idea that I was gonna save the world. And so my full plan was to go to um, Trent University and study international development. That was my goal. Um, but at the time my dad worked for the University of Guelph. And so there was a tuition um, uh, program where it became a taxable benefit. And so I ended up getting, um, I was denied at the University of Guelph because I forgot to submit a form. And my, one of my high school teachers helped me get in uh, because they were connected. And all of the, it's so funny, right? All these little roadblocks that were there were probably the sign for me to say, hey, what's going on, right? Like, this is not what you should be doing. But all my friends were doing it. All my teachers, they were like, oh, Madeline, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to university. And so I, I did, um, because that's what everyone told me to do. Now, I ended up living in residence. And um, at the time, not everyone had a lap. You know, I'm obviously dating myself a little bit. But folks, this was sort of the beginning of when people were buying their own desktop or laptop computers. You didn't just have one for a family. Um, I didn't even try to buy a computer to go to school, which was really strange. But in that first semester, um, and, and now I know what to call it as a professional, which is readiness, I did not display any of the criteria of being ready. I was ready to have a social experience, but I wasn't ready to plant my feet um, in that, that learning journey. So after my first semester and failing a series of courses, I just decided that um, after receiving a call from Katimavik that there was an opening uh, in their January program that, yeah, this, this was my chance to do something different. And I accepted um, the position with them. I ran to pay my last phone bill in residence and packed up and went back home and, and waited for that plane ticket to arrive um, and embarked on, I think, the, the most crucial year in, in how I began to understand myself as, a, as an adult. Um, and so I had the chance to travel across Canada doing volunteer work and seeing like this beautiful nation and the complexity of community development that I was not learning about in the classroom. Yeah, I think there's there's so much to unpack in your story because I think your lived experience is so similar to what students are experiencing right now, whether it's back at your high school where there's this narrative that you need to go to university, that's what's expected of you, um, and that just that societal pressure to, to head in that direction. Do not do not stop, do not wait, do not do anything. This is this is the this the expectation of you. Um, and that's a really strong force to, to go against, especially when you see all of your peers heading in that same direction. Um, one of my favorite thought leaders or kind of bizarre thinkers, Chris Gullibo, he talks about um, 
when you're young and you're, you're a little kid, people always say, well, if everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you do it? And mm. it's independent thought <laughs> saying, don't just accept the status quo. Think about these things. And then all of a sudden there's some time in life where that switches. And it's like, everybody's jumping off a bridge. Why are you not doing mm. that? And we never recognize, we never acknowledge that. Um, but I always think about that is, is that this, this current of what everybody is doing becomes so strong that you can get swept up in it, even if some of those signs do exist, that maybe you don't have that readiness like you were talking about. Um, so I'd love maybe if you can share some of the, the indicators that you saw in yourself that now looking back, you can pinpoint. And then when you're living in the moment, you sometimes you can't see it, but maybe some people who may be feeling a little bit, maybe they can, they can resonate with some of those things that you, you had. Absolutely. One was I applied to so many different programs. I, I didn't even have a clue of all the type of courses that I could take. Right. And so having stepped back and looked for a full year without competing in my, the competing pieces of how am I going to get this top grade in this class so that I could have choices that, that year of simply looking around. Um, and this isn't to discredit the work that guidance counselors do or different institutions to show students what's available to them. It's simply that we don't always have the vocabulary to discuss that this is the type of career that we want to do. Um, and so we end up going into those core pillars of what we know when if we had stepped back, there might be an opportunity to, in very simple ways, think about other ways of knowing the world and language that you could use to, to find that, that program. Um, I think the biggest thing stepping back into sort of my role around higher education is not all those roles are in university. Um, we've created like a vocabulary that asserts a hierarchy, but my goodness, trades is exploding. There are so many cool and new ways to get involved in that industry. And we often forget about it. And so in that year where you take a break, you could, you could try those things on. Um, and, and see how they fit and see how they feel. Um, and, and colleges have, their programming has changed incredibly just in the last decade. Um, and sometimes we forget to look there and, and think about the fact that their degrees are more hands-on. So you get more experience, right? That experiential learning thing, um, find that outside of those cement walls that aren't going anywhere, right? These are stone buildings in many of our cities. Um, and so I would think, just pause, know that you can go at your own pace. There's no one checking this off for you. Um, they will be there um, for a long time because they, they do incredible things. And by there, I mean institutions. They give back to community in so many wonderful ways as they will welcome you as a student eventually uh, when that, that feels like you're ready. Um, and I think I, I just neglected to think that 
when I wanted to change the world, I didn't even know what the world was. Um, I had this romanticized idea that I needed to go abroad to do that. But there are so many things that you need to get involved with from a civics perspective, just right on your street or in your in your um, in your country. And, and certainly, I think these past couple of months have really illustrated the importance of civic engagement um, from where you find your own two feet. Um, and then to amplify that globally is really important. But there, we're, there's so many intersections between the impact you can make globally by, by looking around in your neighborhood and seeing what you can do there. Yeah. Again, like so many, so many amazing little nuggets in, in what you shared from the, the value we're seeing of experiential learning. Like we see universities and colleges coming up with internships and co-ops and trying to validate those experiences in some way and give you a credit for it and um, give you recognition for it. And, and those are, those are the quintessential, those are the cornerstone pieces of a gap year. It's all experiential learning. So um, it's kind of fun to see how the, um, the higher ed system is trying to incorporate those pieces that are so organically part of what a gap year is. And people who turn their nose up at a gap year are like clawing to get into the Waterloo co-op programs at the same time. And you're like, okay, well, we, we've got, we've got this, this mixed perception of, of experiential learning and it doesn't have to come with that, that university stamp on it. Um, that being said, in order to like address that and in, in order to make sure that you are getting recognition for the growth that experience that you experience on a gap year, um, the Canadian Gap Year Association, the Gap Year Association in the U.S., we're offering the Student of Leadership and Humanity Award now, which is a recognition. It is a way to validate. It is a way for a third party to stand behind you as you do grow and change um, and for us to be, to be able to evaluate and then showcase to the world how you've grown. Because again, there is a little bit of a transactional society that we live in where we are looking for those certificates and those pieces of recognition. And um, the, the way that the award is designed is it gives you that flexibility to experience and to grow and to learn the things that are important to you. It's not a specific curriculum. It's just a way, way of capturing the learning from those experiences. So I'm glad you brought that up, that, that this experiential learning is so central to our growth and development as a human. Um, and then there are some structures or systems that can support you um, in that learning, which I think is really cool. Um, and then also just discovering more about the world around you. Um, sometimes as a high school student, we think um, like when we're making decisions about our post-secondary, we're like, well, my, my top mark is in science. I guess I'm going to be a scientist, but we don't know what a scientist does. <laughs> we don't know, maybe a lab coat, uh, but there are so many other ways to explore even the STEM fields or whatever interests you, whether it's the trades, my air conditioner is on the fritz right now, and I need somebody in the trades to come and help me out. Um, there are so many need for all of those different professions. So um, I think that's really important. And I want to circle back to Katimovic as a program.
freedom um, because it was so transformational for you. Um, some people might not be familiar with what Katimovic is and, and what it's all about. So maybe can you share a little bit more about what that experience was for you? Of course. Um, so at the time, uh, Katimovic, which means meeting place, uh, was a program offered to youth from across Canada where you traveled for uh, nine months. We spent three months in each city doing volunteer work. Um, and so I lived in uh, BC, Alberta, and Corn in, in Ontario here, um, and had different volunteer roles in each of those communities. So in Port McNeil, I actually worked um, on a little island called Alert Bay, uh, which was just breathtaking. And um, I think a lot about that experience now. We were really connected with the Namgi community. Uh, we were invited um, almost daily into the big house. They had um, a residential school there and we had really valuable and, and beautiful conversations with the people who lived on that island. Um, and, uh, and so I think a lot about that now um, and and this was we're tipping 20 years ago um, at this point in time um, you can't about, be that old that's impossible how, <laughs> <laughs> thank you filters on zoom here <laughs> um, really really formative experiences um, and then in Alberta uh, I, we lived in a little town called Bonneville I got to hang out with the um, in, in each of the towns, you spent two weeks with a host family. My host family, she was the DJ for the local radio station, which was amazing. Um, and we got to travel through the province. Um, we got to, we, our project leader made a, got us to step into Saskatchewan because you weren't supposed to cross border. You know, we just, we had time to play. Um, and we had time to to see those communities and talk to people what what mattered so much. And then my third stop in Cornwall, I worked in a conservation authority area on a nature project. And, you know, you said something about a student will say my top mark is science, so I must do something in science. And my top mark was not in science, but boy, did I love having that opportunity of thinking um, and being exposed to research, right? That was not something I had ever thought about being part of my undergrad experience, um, which is how do I contribute to research in a specific area? I, the program is, um, has been rebooted for folks to participate in um, as young adults, but also it's jobs for people who want to um, be in the space of contributing to young people's development. And so um, a mutual friend of ours did that for a couple of years, lived out in PEI as a project leader. Um, and as an organization, um, they've really, um, been part of profound experiences for young people at at different junctures of their life where they they just needed to hit pause reframe who they were you know we that's sort of the most formative time our brain like this is my learning nerd coming out here right our our brains are still developing until we're 26 we forget that right we we need to practice 
risk and where we practice that is in play, in forming new identities, encountering new people um, and, and having that time to, to look and think about who you are and what contributions you wanna to make to the community that you live in. And, and then how can you do that in a way that inspires you to be curious? So where learning becomes that opportunity for you to dig deep into a subject or uh, into a field that you feel really passionate about. Is that, that, that's the big thing is those three pillars around learning are skills, habits, and attitude. Um, and this, uh, this was really important for me to bring a new attitude to my learning. Amazing. Yeah. And I think Katimovic is such a strong program for so many reasons. Um, it, it incorporates so many different elements of experiential learning and service learning and um, a national identity. So this is this is a program for Canadians, like by Canadians for Canadians, um, with a focus on service. So you are doing service, and the current program is five and a half months long, um, and you visit two communities, um, and in each community you you learn about communal living, like you're with 11 people in one house and you got to learn how to get along so like those are life skills you're learning independence because you're you're going outside of your your home and and experiencing the world and um there's a big focus on truth and reconciliation so understanding the true history of this country and our indigenous peoples um and and what has gone on historically for them and what their current realities are um, both the challenges and the successes. Um, and it's just such an incredible program. And one of the parts that I really love and I want to make sure people are aware of is that it is so heavily subsidized by the federal government through the, the um um, the service Corps, um, because the government recognizes how important it is for Canadians to have an experience like this, they're ponying up, they're putting their money where their mouth is, and they are paying most of your bills. So at the time of recording, um, for five and a half months, you have to fundraise $1,000 for five and a half months. That is an unbelievable steal of a deal um, because they'll cover everything else while you're on the road because they believe in you, because they want you to be connected to this country. They want you to develop those leadership skills and they recognize that this is a way for Canadians to do that. So um, I think Madeline's lived experience is bang on with all all of those skills and all of those things. And we could have picked any Katimovic alum and they will have similar stories to share. Um, and the, the alum community is, is very interesting um, to hear they're, they're on their Instagram. They've always got people talking about what their experiences was like and uh, life-changing and um, learning a lot about themselves in the world are, are always those narratives that come up, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I think the other big skill that I just, you know, now looking back, we learned how to manage a household, right? Each, each week, a pair of the participants were at home, making sure that the household was running and um, you learn financial literacy because you would have to apply to go on certain excursions and the head office would approve them. And those were negotiation skill, like all of these skills that we can distill and we think we, we 
perfect on the job we were doing um, as, as a group. And you're right, that alum, like I'm still connected deeply with folks that were on um, in my experience. And um, yeah, it's always, always an incredible to think back about those times and um, and who I was before that happened and, and why that set me on the course now to really encourage folks to think about readiness um, and charting their own course and thinking about what, what sort of, what's getting in the way of you digging deep um, because the learning and, and those years that you have in post-secondary, whatever they may look like, uh, giving yourself the chance to really dig deep into those and not hit fast forward um, towards a career uh, is, you know, and that a gap year um, can really help facilitate those things for folks. Yeah, and I would also add to that, especially um, coming out of this pandemic and the way the labor market is going right now. Um, the, the scrappiness in order to survive in a gig economy where mm. the landscape of jobs is changing and uncertainty is just going to be part of our day to day. Being on a gap year and having the ability to get comfortable in uncertainty and to figure out your way forward. Those are, those are things that maybe we've taken for granted in the, in the past, and we're going to have to be, develop a stronger um, skill set in that to navigate the future successfully. And I think that a gap year is a great training ground to be able to do that before things are high stake. Um, you get the opportunity to um, figure it out, to explore, to find the right program that or the right experiences on your gap year that are going to help you achieve your goals in the same way that you're going to have to search and find out the the jobs and the careers and the roles that you want to fulfill in the rest of your life too so I think there's there's a nice um, um, connection I guess between what you can experience on a gap year and being success set up for success in the future um, so super cool. Um, now, how did this kind of shape your career? You kind of alluded to that at the beginning of this, that, that this was the, the catalyst for your career and, and the direction that you chose to go. So how did it, how did it shape your career? Cause this, this happened like midway through first year university. So this is before career is a thing. You still got mm. a long road of academic <laughs> of you before you get into a career so what did what did that year um do for you sure yeah there was um I think you were talking about the award um with both the the gap year organizations and you were talking about sort of that reflection piece um the other word that um stood out to me from there was mentorship and so I I, I developed a really strong bond with one of my project leaders and she became a, a mentor to me and then I thought, you know, well, I don't have all the answers. I certainly could be that type of um, person for somebody else. And so I, when I returned, so my gap year was uh, working, volunteering with Katimovic. And then I worked in a, um, in a factory. <laughs> and so sometimes people ask about the really interesting part of my gap year and less about that, that other piece, which was working at a a job from the early mornings to the mid-afternoons um, that also got me back into a classroom was that factory experience um, and, and fundraising, like funding my education. 
So the other sort of next steps that I took from there, um, I returned to campus. I tried my major a little bit longer, which was um, international development. And it just didn't feel great because I had learned about the complexities here in Canada and that that that's where it mattered um, to help make a difference. So I, I changed my major. I did all the other things too. I dyed my hair hot pink. I pierced my nose. And, you know, I, I started to feel a little bit more centered in who I was and where, which direction I wanted to go. So I took on roles. Um, I worked in residence life and then later in the student life program as well, working with first year students who are also trying to navigate that experience. And because of that, so these were, um, they're called work study or career study um, positions. I got to see that student affairs, so working with first-year students, navigating that system or multi-year students was a career, was a job. I had no idea. That wasn't one of the subjects that I could take in high school. Um, and so because of that, some work opportunities became available. Um, my first degree is from the University of Guelph and I worked in their student life department um, in their leadership and development um, unit, creating uh, some programs for students who were embarking on service learning projects abroad um, and helping them build out those um, pieces, just like you talked about in terms of sort of having that credential, but that pre-learning, right? In order to really participate in um, the, the project I led was in Peru, you have to understand the really deep history of Peru um, before you just walk in for a couple of days to do a project. Um, and you wanna make sure that you feel when you're there that you can process what's happening and you can engage, but also on the other end, right? How do we, how do you sort of navigate some of the lived experience that you had on those service learning projects? Um, but it came back again to the fact that I was really passionate about adult education in a Canadian context. Um, I sort of mentioned research um, and in my undergrad, I ended up doing a research project um, and that faculty member inspired me to go on to grad school where I studied community development. Um, and, you know, doing a master's on some, that's a whole other podcast that we can do. Um, but sort of the other thing is the joke about student affairs is people always fall into that as a career. Um, and I had a really, um, because of the networks that I created um, in those roles of working while studying, um, I was able to, to make a new community here when I moved to Toronto and continue to work in student affairs and um, helping students understand that um, the different things that come up in our life while we're studying, right? Life still happens. You're not just a student. Life still happens while this is going on. And, and how do you build a team of folks around you that can build you up and help you overcome those hurdles? So more and more, while, while folks sort of think the gap here is, right, we're, we're starting to build now a new trajectory, which is high school, gap year, post-secondary, but it can happen at any age or stage, right? We, at a university, we call it a sabbatical for a faculty member, and we honor that for them. So you can sort of insert those sabbaticals at any point in your undergrad career as well. 
Um, but I think the biggest part for me, as it relates back to your question there, it's the, the mentoring that I had benefited from so greatly. Um, and that really key part of reflection, right, is reflecting on how did that experience help me move forward um, in making decisions about where I spend my time and energy and, and how I can focus on, on building the life that, that you've dreamed of. That's amazing. Um, and I don't think we can overlook the fact that you also co-founded the Canadian Gap Year Association um, and are a current board member. Um, I believe that's part of your, your career <laughs> as well. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you sort of talked, you talked about the gig, the gig industry and um, that's not what you called it. The economy. Yeah. There you go. Thank you terrible that I work at a business school and I missed that one um but I was feeling really frustrated in my career I was getting contract after contract and it, it didn't feel fulfilling for me I like I said I reflect it just wasn't sitting well um and I knew there were all these students coming in at that moment and I I went back and thought about how formative just hitting a pause button was for me and how I was equipping, I was having the same conversations with a lot of students was, you know, you can hit pause. Like you can think about if your parents really want you to be an accountant, you know, is that, and you keep failing an accounting course, you're just going to have to take four years of accounting. So where can we, how can we redirect that, um, and I, I didn't find at the time that was sort of in the mid 2000s that these conversations were happening at post-secondary. And so I knew they needed to happen um, outside of those traditional, um, outside of the ivory tower. Um, and I thought to myself, why don't I start coaching people that also need to have this conversation that aren't encountering me um, at the institution where I was working. And so with a quick Google search, I actually found uh, an organization that was doing coaching for gap years. And it, it was mind blowing that there were other people um, so eager to make this movement happen. Um, and of course, that's where we had the chance to connect and meet and um, build out our, our little empire here that you, you are building incredibly um and so that feels like it honors my experience of gap year and the folks that I connected with there reset and put you on a different trajectory um and and get you really excited about trying something else yeah and I I think one of the things that I love most about your story is it really reinforces that it's not um an or like it's not gap year or higher ed. It's mm. not um, experiential learning or academics. It's not um, research or application. Like there, there's everything isn't could be an and. Mm. Um, and and your story highlights that so well um, that that you had this experience and 
you had your higher education experience. You support the gap year, the idea of gap years, and you're helping young people connect um, with completing a program that excites them and is going to equip them with the right skills that they need. That, that there's always a way to make it an and. And, and I think a lot of people, um, young, young people and their parents are, are constantly using the or. Mm. Um, and, and I would love to see more people experience the and. Um, there are no set, like we started out this conversation, there are no set deadlines for anything in life. Um, so if you put in an and, you might add a year to some fictitious timeline that you've created, but then you also have that and you have that experience. You can put it on your resume. You've got those life skills. You've met those people. You've built your network. You've um, got those experiences. You figured that stuff out about yourself. And if you had replaced it with an or, then you might have missed out on so many incredible opportunities. And it's been so clear to me in this conversation, how much that and really shaped your whole life journey, um, professionally and personally. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing and, and, and such a common thing for people mm. who in a gap year is, is to say that it was not only the best year of their life, but, but it set them on a completely different track and they live really fulfilled lives because of that exploration. And because of that self-discovery, they were able to connect with something that was, as you say, more exciting to them, not just checking boxes, but really learning for the sake of learning and curiosity and, um, and building something that's going to support them in living a really fulfilled life from a career to relationships to everything that they put in front of them. I think it's just such an incredible tool um to use that that and rather than an or yeah you know where that comes from someone taught me once is that is the um one of the golden rules of improv mm -hmm. have, right and you would know this from your background in counseling like being a camp counselor and leading groups but the biggest thing is in improv you never say no or you never say you always say and um and that it it leads you to a whole other mysterious thing we can you know for many of us who've watched improv it goes places that we just don't know um and in those times um it, we we enter this it's called diffused thinking right we can start to connect things that are are within our subconscious and it it helps us enter just really new spaces about thinking about what's possible really like what's going on, what's possible, and who can help me um, achieve that outcome. I think that's beautiful. Um, and a shameless little plug, speaking of improv, we've got Gap Year Frosh Week coming up. Um, and one of the evenings, we do have an improv troupe that comes out that's absolutely hilarious um, and great interactivity um, and just a really great way to, to blow off some steam and to get connected with other people who are on a gap year in a really, really fun way. So just a, a small little plug there. So to, um, to, after that lovely shameless plug, um, I think that you have such a great experience and such a great perspective that might've piqued the interest of some of our listeners. So if they wanted to get in touch with you, um, how might they do that? The best way to reach me is through LinkedIn. I'm most active there. 
Um, and so make sure to, I think Michelle's gonna load it in here. I'm, I'm happy to connect with you through LinkedIn. Um, and hopefully I'll see you at the Gap Year Frosh Week. I went last year and I had so much fun. Um, so know that uh, there might be a chance for us to connect there or LinkedIn is a great way to connect with me. Awesome. Uh, Madeline, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and sharing your story with our listeners. Um, as always, it's such a pleasure. Lovely. Thank you again, Michelle, for continuing these conversations um, and having me today.